Dublin's Talking Sport. Welcome to Dublin's Talking Sports podcast with me, Ken Doherty, and my good friend, Reggie Corrigan. Thanks for tuning in to catch up on the latest GAA, football, rugby, and all the crack. Enjoy the show, and don't forget, rate and review wherever you get your podcasts. Good morning, Reg. How are you? Oh, I tell you what, Ken, I'm great. Never <laughs> better. It's uh, I would you believe I'm heading off to Galway uh, after this on a little tour with my uh, 11-year-old little rugby oh, trip. Lovely. They're going down to Galwegians to play a match, and uh, we're uh, heading down there. They're oh, already on the bus on the way down. Shout out to them if they're listening. And uh, to they're, the west. they're the heading west. west. We're heading to Galway, <laughs> and we'll have a little overnight in Galway and a prize-giving ceremony for the under-12s uh, in in the uh, Galmont Hotel as we're staying in tonight so that'll be on tonight so we get to take in I'll have to I won't be able to go to the match today but we'll take in the match down there and uh, then we'll have uh, 25 or 30 screaming kids running around the place losing their minds so it'll be good fun looking forward to it good weekend excellent excellent stuff I tell you what I've been enjoying the snooker this week oh have you seen it did you see the session uh, last night I did what a comeback Brazil. I tell you I think he's going to win it now after looking at that I think he'll beat him well he was 14-6 down yeah I didn't give him a prayer the way the other guy played it. Cijia uh, the way he played, he was just playing outstanding snooker. For someone he's only twenty, he could be the youngest ever world champion to beat yeah. Stephen Century, which he wouldn't be happy with. He won it when he was twenty-one. Uh, but Luca Brissell came back from fourteen six to fourteen ten, so he has a, a chance. It's four to seven in for a place into the final. But honestly, Reg, the snooker last night was just sensational. The one into the middle, uh, that Brussel, the cutback. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, like it was yeah. an unbelievable cutback. I just didn't think it was physically possible. But like uh, you're talking about the comebacks as well. I mean, the comeback he had against Ronnie during the week yeah. was on a different level. Did he win eight frames seven in the trial? Yeah. Seven oh, in a row. He was 10-6 oh, really? down. Yeah. And he won seven in a row, and Ronnie O'Sullivan didn't make a thirty break in the seventh round. And that's the greatest player that's ever played again. And how would you rate that? It was was it a Ronnie blow up, or was it just that Brussel was so? It was a bit of both. Was it? It was a bit of both. I mean, Brussel came out all guns blazing, bang bang bang, one visit, and uh, and then Ronnie we sort of couldn't cope with him. He missed a lot of long balls. Okay, had chances, just missed. And then your man came in and cleared up, and it was quite incredible, you know, to see a demolition of the, as I said, the greatest players ever played again to win seven in a row. But that's the way this Brazil plays, you know. He said he's only had fifteen minutes practice before the World Championship, <laughs> and he, he was driving back and forth a thousand between matches, and um, yeah, it's just quite incredible. But he'd been embroiled in, you know, one of the one of the best, well, certainly. One of the most entertaining matches I think we've ever seen in the Crucible. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, yeah. I, I suppose with uh, C. J. Wee, is that the right way to pronounce it? Um, yeah, something like that. Something yeah. like that, yeah. <laughs> he, he's, uh, as you said, he's only 20. Like, I, I've been following him during the week and he's been putting up, uh, you know, his meals afterwards. And oh, yeah. He just seems a really grounded sort of young guy and uh, finds himself in this position the highest he's ever gotten to and um, I don't know will the nerves get to him a little bit? Uh, might do you know I mean he, he came to Sheffield he's only 20 as you said he got on the tour he fell off the tour and then what he, he did his manager here runs an academy here at Victoria uh, she used to send him around to all the amateur tournaments and she'd have to send him photographs of the trains on, you know, what yeah, to get, get or what whatever. platform you had to yeah. get. 
used to give him his food, go. So he travelled all around England on his own, not having a word of English, but she was directing him through the phone. Oh, uh, wow. And bringing his own meals and everything. And he went around, played all these amateur tournaments, got back on the tour, and look where he is now. I mean, it's an incredible story. Still can't speak much English, but uh, he, he hasn't seen his family for three years during the COVID. Yeah. You know, uh, so it's a quite an incredible story. It really is. And, it's, you know, he's, he's played with so much freedom and a sort of a cavalier attitude. But going for all his shots, making big breaks, and coming out with the most outrageous pots under pressure. Yeah. That's absolutely. We're all just like about open all the all the circle commentators and watching them play, you know. Yeah, but I suppose up to this point, you're kind of probably he, thinking he doesn't know the fear because yeah. he's never been in that situation. Maybe he doesn't realise the enormity of it and yeah. he's just enjoying the moment and he's relaxed and he's free to play. But that's what yeah. I'm wondering about Brussel. He knows he's had the comeback in him from coming back against Ronnie yeah. in a worse situation yeah. well as bad a situation anyway um, yeah. will will uh, will that stand to him maybe and the other lad fall apart what are, what are your thoughts yeah. well I mean it was a huge frame last night uh, the 10th it was 14-9 14-9 should have been 15-9 yeah. he missed the green off the spot mm. when Brussel missed the last red so there was a little bit of nerves being shown there and he banged his Bang the table with his fist, uh, CJ Wee. The first time we'd seen sort of any, any emotion. emotion from, and so maybe the nerves got them. But it's probably good that that was the last frame last night. Today you can just come out and sort of clean the slate. You only need three frames, uh, but it's happened before from fourteen ten, you know, many times. So uh, at the moment, momentum is with Luca Brussel, but he has to come out and play sort of no miss snooker for the first few frames to put real pressure on him. Mm, okay, well, but I don't think he'll crumble. I, I really don't think Jawi, see Jawi will crumble. I think it's just so cool and pressure. He could come out and go bang, 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 century, century, go sixteen, ten, and then eventually get over the line. You know. Yeah, it mightn't be that he won't crumble, but equally so with Purcell, he just seems to have loosened yeah. up a little bit as well. And, uh, you know, he probably, uh, same with Ronnie, I, I mean, you'd know, maybe he just resigned himself to the fact that he was out at 14-5 yeah. and equally with Ronnie and then said, Asher, look, I'm gone anyway, we'll may as well just go. have a go. We'll have and, a go. And, and Yeah, yeah. Uh, the shackles came off. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But that's the way he plays, you know. He's just, uh, he's very loose. Uh, he's as I said, he, he goes for his shots, but wholly entertaining. Yeah. Both players, you know, and whoever's in the foil, the contrast between that semi foil and, and the, the other one. Foil, yeah, they, they had to come off with three frames. They had to play more yesterday in the session. They had to play a six, total of 16. They only finished with 13 because they played three, three quarter hour uh, frames, you know? Yeah. Uh, three of the frames were over 45 minutes, and it was sort of slow. But it was fascinating, just, just the same. Yeah, they're like world number two and world number three. Uh, Mark yeah. Selby and Mark Allen, of course, um, in that other semi-final. And, uh, you know, as you said, that's a real cat-and-mouse oh, yeah. game. Oh. They're just picking their shots then choosing yeah. it and you can't make a mistake or the other will be in. How do you yeah. think that one's going to unfold? Was, Selby would yeah. be the favourite. Yeah, it was a real war of attrition yesterday. And Mark Allen had a real advantage. He went 6-3 up. Uh, and it, but then Selby won, won an incredible frame. He needed a snooker on the last red, got a few of them, and eventually won on the black and, and changed the whole momentum of the game. And he, and he took the next three as well. So he's seven, six up, and then they had to come off. So they start out this morning. They've got two sessions today. 
uh, eight frames now at 10 o'clock and uh, and then they finish tonight which if it goes long or if it goes close it will be very very long and it could be very very late mm, ok well hopefully you got I think the longest match that's ever finished here at the Crucible was Cliff Torborn Terry Griffiths they finished at 10 to 4 in the morning Right, <laughs> and it was only a best of twenty five. Oh, you're really going back in time there with the two of <laughs> yeah, them. In yeah, fairness, yeah. Uh, they did they did play we slowly. Red, so you're all right. <laughs> and I remember watching it when you stopped. That's the worst part about it. <laughs> That's the worst bit. I remember Terry well. <laughs> uh, what about the final? Give me your prediction. Who's going to be in it? Uh, I think um, I'm going to go for the young Chinese boy. Yeah. I think it, because of his four frame lead, I think he's going to hold on. Okay. And I think Selby, although Mark Allen has had a, the season, a wonderful season this year, I just thought Selby is starting to look a bit stronger now. And he's won it four times. So uh, Allen has never been in the final. And that might be the difference. I just think Selby has got his claws into him now. And he'll just uh, he'll win that match. Okay. Well, we'll keep an eye on that. So, okay. Uh, let's talk football. Uh, we blew yeah. it. We blew it. City have it. Their, yeah. their title is theirs now. Um, yeah. They were far better than Arsenal. That's the only, I have no excuses, um, but we probably blew it in the three-all draw the week before, the two weeks before that. Um, yeah. Can't see City getting stopped now. No. Well, you dropped a few points, didn't you? You know, yeah, the last few have. matches, two-all draw, three-all draw. Mm. And then, well, of course, the City was like the big game, wasn't it? And uh, they were just too good. They're just playing. They're just playing incredible football at the moment. Haaland has been such a difference to them. Uh, as well as all the other footballers that they have, and the bench they have is so strong as well. You know, they could win the treble. We we will play them in the final of the FA Cup, yeah. uh, which I'm hoping to, to try and go to. But uh, I think that that could be their their final match in the treble winning season. But Real Madrid will be a test for them. I, I think, think Real Madrid will t- turn them over personally. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think they'll be a test for them. But I yeah. think I think Man City are playing better football. You know, Madrid are struggling in the league. Mm. Uh, I think Barcelona going to win that but uh, yeah I think Madrid will be a real test for them that's for sure you know? yeah, but, no. uh, they're just in the league the Premier League yeah, I think it's over they're not going to drop uh, what are two points behind with two games in hand? Yeah, they're, they're, I mean they're 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 there. I mean we we shouldn't have been in a position where we were relying on that city game to to, yeah. to save the league. We should have it done as you said with the three on the we two. We were eight points ahead at one stage. Yeah, exactly, right? exactly. No, yeah. there's been slip ups at the uh, at the wrong time. Uh, yeah. Speaking of slip ups, United, geez, two nil up against Spurs. It looked so good. The start yeah. was brilliant. Uh, I was watching the game. Looked just and then they just again just. Sort of went into the shell, stopped, didn't they? you know. They just stopped, yeah, yeah. it was weird. Top playing. Yeah, top trying to they were trying to hold on as opposed to you know. Well, they I mean, they hit the bar at 2 1 Bruno. I think if that, if that goal had it gone in, but yeah, right, they just uh welcomed the pressure, didn't they? And tried to hold on, but, yeah. Uh, it was it was it was weird. It was weird because I mean I know they got unlucky. They did hit the bar, and, and and I know like there was other chances that probably could easily have gone in as well. But like Spurs are not that good of a team. They went two 0 yeah. up. They were playing beautiful football at that point, and then just yeah. stopped. And it's just you're, you're wondering what's going on in the heads of those players. They're just not yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's yeah, just yeah. not right at the minute. I just, uh, yeah, I think that'd be okay for the top four, though. Yeah, I, think, uh, I don't think Spurs will catch them or Liverpool. Uh, they've got a few big games coming up and uh, I think they'll be okay I know they they're, will they rely yeah. on staying in the top four they're in the final of the FA Cup and they've won the Carabao but they need it sort of shows that they need some you know big summer spendings in the, uh, this, this year you know for, to try and compete with the likes of Arsenal 
and the likes of City for next year that they're, they're going to have to spend. But they have to sort out the sale of the club. That's the problem. Yeah, Glazers haven't let go of it yet. They're trying to get five billion, and if they don't, there won't be any won't be any summer spending until that club is sold. So hopefully, it's done and, and get on with it. Yeah, I suppose at the start of the season you'd have gladly taken top four the way things yeah. had been going. Uh, you, you would have definitely taken that. So in many ways you could look at, like it has been a successful season but it still feels... What do you think? Like, How many players do you think they need to, to make that squad gel? Like, I mean, there's there's quality in that squad, you know? You there's look at Fernandes and Rashford yeah. and all these, but there's real quality there. So what would... How many more would it need to... to, to Sorted out. Well, I'd like to see. I'd like to see someone like a Harry Kane coming in the summer. You know, they need a they need a striker, a proper striker that's going to give them like plenty of goals a season, at least. You know, and Harry Kane would do that. I know he's like thirty, but you'd still get maybe two or three years out of him, and uh, he'd be a very prolific goal scorer. That's what we need to compete. Uh, we'd need a, a probably another centre half, maybe two, uh, and maybe another midfielder in the midfield with Casemiro. And uh, Fernandez and Ericsson. Ericsson's a great player, but you're sort of getting on a little, getting a little bit leggy. But so you need a young sort of uh, maybe couple of midfielders mm. just to strengthen that squad big time. Okay, well, mm. we'll see. It'll be an interesting summer to see what happens and who yeah. who goes where and what they will be willing to spend. But we'll just have to watch it and uh, watch that space. So air on. What time are you back on air? I'm back in the studio uh, with Simon at ten o'clock this morning for uh, Selby and Mark Allen. Oh, 10 o'clock. Okay, it's a good early start. Yeah. All right. So there's the around the city now, Reg. Honestly, is it? It's just magnificent. When you walk from the theatre up to the square where they have a big screen and people can sit out watching it. And I tell you what, there's so many Irish over here as well. It's just brilliant. You know, lads coming over with their wives and just groups of lads just coming out for the first time, just coming to watch it. Yeah. Everywhere, yeah. loads of Irish, brilliant, great to see. Great stuff. Okay, well, uh, I'm looking forward to it. And I have to say, it's been a very, very exciting uh, uh, tournament um, with with some upsets along the way. I think that always makes it exciting when it's not predictable yeah. and you don't know who's going to get there. And you know, the favourites are knocked out like Ronnie. And um, yeah, it makes it really, really interesting. So I'm, I'm yeah. enjoying it. I have to say, and your coverage is always brilliant. <laughs> Fair oh, play. Not my coverage. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, it's time to turn our attention to what is a huge weekend of rugby um, for Leinster and, of course, for the women's team playing in their last Six Nations game. Delighted to be joined on the line by former Leinster Ireland and British line, of course, Shane Byrne. Good morning, Shane. How are you? Hey, Reg. How are you? I'm very well, thanks. Very well indeed. Looking forward to a great weekend of rugby. I was telling Ken earlier, I'm off to uh, fantastic Galway for the day for a little under-12s, uh, little mini rugby tournament down there with Aidan. And uh, we'll be overnighting down there. Uh, but somewhere along the line, I'm going to have to find a place to watch this Leinster game. And um, it should be a cracker. It's going to be an absolutely fantastic game. I'm saying that with all hopes in it because you, you, you have the two sides in Europe that supply more internationals to the retrospective countries than any other team. And this should be an absolute cracker. Uh, everything is laid out for it to add a bit of tension to it. You would have to say all the injury news from Toulouse is brilliant. They <laughs> basically are at absolutely full power, ready to go, seeking revenge for the, the way they went into the game last year. This, again, this obviously is a repeat of the game last year where Leinster came out easily on top. Leinster has injury problems. We all know Sexton's already out. 
uh, low and then the news yesterday Henshaw which is meaning that they're not quite where they should be where they would want to be but they have the strength to do in their squad to obviously fill those spaces but it will it have the little ripple effect and it won't go the way but they've got the home uh, home fixture and the, the line run the way all the way home to get to the final mm. it didn't work for us maybe it'll work for them yeah, um, I don't know if the the, the the Toulouse injury news is good news for Leinster because, as yeah. you said there, it makes them uh, even stronger than they could be. Um, I suppose uh, the big thing, as always, even in our day, it was such the forwards uh, up against each other. Both packs are pretty evenly matched, I have to say. You know, when you look at the front rows and Dan Sheehan thankfully making uh, his yep. uh, thing and Van der Fleer getting back in the back row as well. Both of those making making it into the starting eight um, opposite the, the likes of Jack Willis and Cross and Arno and, you know, Bailly. There's It's a savage to lose pack as well. So it, it will come down to the Battle of the Packs again, won't it? Well, do you know what? Normally, I'd agree with you, mm. but I honestly, I don't think so this time. I, I, I think the Packs are going to hit parity. I think we have obviously some amazing, amazing players. James Ryan has hit in fantastic form, form of his life. Sheen, uh, you know, and the amazing Taylor Darson. In fact, that back row, a bit of controversy that they didn't. Uh, put Ryan Bird in there and somewhere but he'll be coming off the bench mm. I genuinely Ross Maloney staying in there to add a bit of beef to combat that Toulouse uh, pack which obviously is, is absolutely fantastic and huge ball carriers there right the way throughout the pack Nefu in the second row one of the main ones Bailey in there as a prop like it, it's just I think they're going to have a, a full go to each other but I think parity be reached you know what I think there's going to be how the opposition backlines mm. deal how each team not in attack deals with it how they deal in defence how they are able to handle the opposition's attack because the two of them are fantastic Leinster's attack we know is slick precise lethal off first phase uh, you know will find spaces attack the line with three or four options very very hard to defence Toulouse is equally as potent but it's uh, probably a bit more chaotic yeah. It looks a bit more haphazard, but it's equally as effective. They are absolutely lethal. If you show any step back against them, they're, they score at will. That has them the top of the French top 14 at the moment, comfortably. And, you know, I honestly think that's where it's going to be. And obviously Henshaw missing out of our backline. Henshaw is probably one of the best defensive centres that there is out there. And uh, I think he will be missed. Now, we're very lucky. Uh, with Nakatai coming in, Charlie, uh, New Zealand, mm. all black. That he's plenty of experience. He's only back, you know, probably good timing. But uh, still, it's an awful pity Ringrose isn't there. Yeah, and the two players that are going to be key to that backline success for Toulouse, should it happen, will of course be Dupont and Entomac. And I think, oh, yeah. you know, the, the, it's the unpredictability of those two that catches teams out. But that being said, of all the teams 
that you feel can handle that unpredictability, it would be Leinster in the sense that their defence is so well organised all the time. Toulouse tend to live off scraps of other teams, so if, if other teams make mistakes, they capitalise on that and they'll go from anywhere. So I suppose the error count, uh, if that's kept down by Leinster, um, that'll negate the uh, ability of both of those players to be unpredictable. But equally so, if the defence is organised, especially around the breakdown, you'd wonder where they can find that space. I agree with you. I agree with you completely on that. Um, yeah, the game has there has to be space for Dupont and, and Entermac to do what they do. Mm. And uh, if Leinster don't allow that, uh, you know they will struggle. Now, the one thing is we're here again at this point of the season. Remember last year, again Leinster were as strong this time last year as they were. The momentum was behind them, and when they got to the pointy end of the season, they ended up with no silverware whatsoever. Mm. So. This, to me, is probably the biggest challenge that they faced. So we've got to see, have they, are they now focused enough now that they were bruised enough from what happened last year at the business end of the season that it's a completely different mindset and they won't allow that to happen again because that's the biggest challenge here, I think, is the top two inches for Leinster because we all know the amazing talent right the way throughout the team mm. and uh, enough players to win this game you know, not with ease, but to win this game against a superb Toulouse side. But it's that top two inches. Are they ready? Because they are going to be challenged. Because Toulouse have a point to prove here. Yeah, it doesn't seem to be... It's funny, I was talking to uh, Rory O'Connor during the week about our time and the, the one that got away for us against Perpignan where we blew it because we didn't yeah. we didn't have those top two inches uh, turned Correct. on and the preparation was bad and we just... You know, I, I always feel that was a hiding cup that we let slip through our, our fingers. Definitely. But, um, Definitely. Yeah, but, but Leinster of, of new don't seem to have those issues. Now, you could argue last year maybe that that, that was the case, but I do think that La Rochelle just kind of had their number and, 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 and worked things out really well, very cleverly. Um, and it was as much, the, you know, that they were brilliant as the top two inches. But I, I just feel with this Leinster squad... Um, I just don't think I don't think that comes into it. when I look across that pack of forwards the likes of Porter Sheehan Furlong yeah. uh, Ryan Doris Van der Freer Conan and I'm not leaving Maloney out of that because he has now elevated himself to that level as well but those in particular those other seven names that I mentioned at international level and at Leinster level they just don't seem to make the errors that we might have made in the past about letting it slip mentally well you see the thing is is, is I would say what happened, these guys were all freshly enough into the squad last year and, you know, making the name for themselves. And when they got to the pointy end of the season, they hadn't come across that mm. challenge. And now, to back up what you're saying, is that it did happen to them. They have the mm. experience mm. of losing those finals, losing those games. And I would agree, particularly with the, in the Ireland jersey, uh, the likes of Doris, Van der Fleer, etc. Sheen, these guys are absolutely ruthless. Yeah. And I think that that is going to lean because I, in the bookies, I can't get this at all. The Leinster are runaway favourites. Yeah. I think it may have come down a little bit now with the news of Henshaw yesterday. But to me, that's absolute madness. I think they barely have a nose in front. And I think the little nose they have in front is that killer instinct that you just mentioned there mm. I think that's exactly the little thing that will see them through this game because it is that tight 
Yeah, that that and home advantage. Yeah, I think you're right. I think they're. I, I think it's literally a nose in front. I I can't separate them. You're right. The spread in the bookies is eight points. It seems like a big spread uh, to give to lose an eight point start in a game like this seems uh, strange to me to say the least. Yeah. Uh, and our listeners can make it that what they will, but um, it's not to say that Leinster won't have one of their days and just turn it all on. But to lose of all the teams in Europe that play from France, they are the ones that know how to win Europe. Have consistently performed in Europe treat this competition with as much respect as they do the top 14 and want those stars on their jerseys you know so they are absolute champions for a reason and they have a a team of champions there so it's an absolutely fascinating game I I really cannot wait that's why I've neglected to mention honestly the home advantage Mm. for Leinster because Toulouse are the one side that they don't really care about that yeah you know, they travel because they have a history in, in Europe that they have. You know, they're well used to traveling away. They're well used to going to uh, hostile places. It doesn't make any difference to them. And in fact, it was it was great to see, bad for less, but great to see that um, the coaching staff were even holding players back last week in their top 14 game, yeah. making sure they were ready for this game. Yeah. You know, that's, that's superb to see. That's what you want to see in the European competition is that club sides absolutely dedicated to this competition and making sure that they do as well as they can mm. and I honestly think of all the sides are playing the, the the away tag for them will have less effect on Toulouse than it would on any other side with Declan Drake for the next few minutes here on the programme this morning and uh, the calendar almost reaching May the 1st and Championship 2023 is motoring along at a fair pace you could say it was an extremely busy week with several sides representing the county and this weekend we have all four flagship sides doing battle in their respective championships our regular hurling analyst Sean Lane is with me in studio he'll be looking back at the Antrim game last week and indeed ahead to the clash with Westmead at Parnell Park this evening from 6 o'clock. Uh, very good morning to you, Sean. Morning, Declan. How are you? Oh, very well, very well. We have a little surprise for you, Sean, this morning. I believe we had a very big day <laughs> recently in the, the Lane household. Congratulations on a, on a milestone birthday from all your colleagues on Dublin's Talking Sport. <laughs> very good. <laughs> I, I think this must be the, about the fifth or sixth year in a row. I'm 49, Declan. 49, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thank you very much. Very Thank good. you, Jane. Thank you, Reggie. You're welcome. You're welcome indeed. Okay, let's get straight into the action. So, And a wrap-up of it during the week. Our under-20 hurlers were beaten by Kilkenny at Nolan Park last Saturday, while our minors enjoyed a fine away success at Leash on Monday. Now, Sean, briefly, I know you were in Port Leash on Monday evening supporting the, the minor hurlers who will be out again, actually, against Galway in the last four of the championship on Monday in Tullamore at, at two o'clock. But how are we progressing at the, the minor level? Yeah, we're, we're doing OK. Collie Myers done a, a really good job with them. We've a couple of good forwards, you know, um, Connor Newton from the Crave and David Purcell from... from, from uh, uh, chemical croaks a tough game it was Declan there was very little in it all the way as a matter of fact Leash went off to an early lead but we we, we, we hauled him in and, and uh, came out with a, a really good result and, and uh, happy with it but you know a very very tough draw now Galway are the farm team and this is the moment on the, the other side uh, as you say 2 o'clock on Monday so we'll, we'll see how they do but that, that's a big game Yeah well if we can repeat the success against the tribesmen that we had at under 20s a couple of weeks ago I think we'll all be happy More from Sean later on the senior hurling scene 
We're going to turn to football now and the senior footballers began their championship campaign last Sunday with a 4.30 to 2.9 last eight success over Leash down in Omore Park. The goals coming from Con O'Callaghan, Collie Baskell, Lee Gannon and Kieran Kilkenny on the day. Well, after the game, I caught up with the Dublin boss, Desi Farrell, and he began by admitting that perhaps the game was a lot easier than he thought it would be for his charges. Um, yeah, probably a little bit easier than we thought. Um, we prepared well uh, for this challenge coming to to Port Leash to play Leash. You know, they're a proud county, uh, great tradition, and um, uh, would have put it up to Dublin over the years. But uh, we got a, we got a good start and sort of um, you know kept momentum with us for long periods in that first half, and it was it was always going to be difficult. You know, it's it was just one of those dream starts, and um, it's it's always difficult for an opposition. You know, who when you, when you're playing um, a team that um, is expected to beat you, and uh, the belief can wane very very quickly. You know, and uh, but but in fairness to to Leash, um, they came out and all guns blazing in the second half, and you know put in a few goals themselves, and uh, were very competitive. But ultimately, we had enough done the first half. Uh, with players come back from injury as well and uh, you know working on a couple of things in the training ground and it was good to see them manifest today as well so uh, there's always positives to take and we definitely have stuff to work on as well There's the returning starts for Jack McCaffrey and Paul Mannion as well it's great to get uh, some quality game time and lengthy game time into them today because they had only been peripheral players really throughout the league for various reasons yeah, um, the, the lads had a couple of injuries through the league. We definitely would have liked to uh, have given them more action um, up to this point. But um, today was an opportunity to do that and it was good to see the lads come through. In the league final, you took the goal chance as well in the second half. You took them well today too. That's one of the more pleasing aspects, I would suggest, overall of the performance today. Yeah, it's, it's good to see that happen. Um, goals are... Are big momentum shifters in games, and uh, you know, any time you're hitting the net, it's always uh, to be welcomed. The challenge now, I think, is Kildare next week at, at Crow Park after their victory today. You had a, quite a good joust against them on the opening night of the league. Yeah, we d- we did, and pr- probably lucky to hang on in the end. And and obviously in Newbridge last year, they they beat us. Uh, I think the Leinster Championship game last uh, last year was a bit of an outlier. I think um, the gap between the two teams is is marginal. I would have thought myself. And uh, big big game for Kildare, I think. And um, you know, so it'll be a massive challenge for us uh, uh, next weekend. Yes, indeed. Thanks to Desi for his time there post-match in Omar Park last uh, Sunday. Next up uh, tomorrow afternoon is the Crow Park meeting with Kildare. The action getting underway there at four o'clock. Uh, the prize is a place in the Leinster final against either Offaly or Loud who open proceedings at Crow Park tomorrow. I think that'll be a fascinating contest between those two. Offaly making great strides on the comeback trail and Loud, of course, blazing a trail under Mickey Hart who could quite justifiably say they're the second best team in Leinster at the moment. Okay, we're going to stick with football now but move to the ladies and Dublin tomorrow afternoon commence their TG Carr Leinster Championship campaign as champions when they face the All-Ireland Champions Mead in Park Talchard Navin from 2 o'clock. Big Bones Chargers won five of their seven games in the Lidl National Football League and they travel to Navin tomorrow with a largely experimental team. Aside, still shorn of the talent and experience of the likes of Sinead O'Hearn, Sinead Goldrick 
Patrick, Neve Collins and Kira Trant. They have three debutants named in the team when we wish them well as they take the trip across the county boundary tomorrow afternoon. Well, last night before training at DCU, I met up with Leah Caffrey, the vice-captain of Dublin. She, of course, of Nafina. I began our chat by asking her, was she enjoying her new role as vice-captain? So far, so good. Um, I think it's been going so well for us, so really enjoying it and looking forward to the game now on Sunday. You had seven games in the league, you won five of them. Um, you were only beaten by the two teams that went on to contest the final, which were Galway and Kerry. But looking at your team sheets week in, week out, lots of new players, not only in the squad, but also in, in the team as well. It's a major period of transformation in the Dublin ladies scene. Yeah, definitely. There's lots of uh, new girls coming on the scene and lots of girls really impressing as well. So it's been great that we've been able to get game time for so many of the girls and, you know, they've really stood up and it's, yeah, it's been a good period for us over the last, you know, the league was a good, we did only lose two games, but um, there's definitely a lot of learning in it and, yeah, we're looking forward to building on it now. And looking at the fixtures, I mean, you had some really long road trips as well, didn't you? You had Cork and you had Galway and Donegal away on Patrick's Day as well. So certainly great from a team building point of view, those those journeys. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of hours on the road. <laughs> okay, gave us some time to bond with each other. But um, yeah, I think, you know, sometimes it's nice to be able to get to know each other when you're just sitting and chatting when there's not that much of... It's, it's nice to be able to bond that, in that way, I suppose. And you're one of the more experienced players in the team now with all our medals and all-stars and all the rest. So your role as vice-captain in guiding some of these young, young players through, how have, you, how have you found that experience over the last number of months? Yeah, it's definitely a different type of role. Um, but I think it's been good and, you know, we're all learning at the same time as well. So um, it's just trying to help guide everybody. There is, you know, a good few younger girls and a good few newer girls. So just kind of helping and talking through and being able to you know, help the others learn as, you know, just we are as well. But, um, yeah, just building on things from the league, I suppose. And as a championship opener, it doesn't get much tougher than the All-Ireland champions in Navan as well. I'm sure it's a challenge everyone is relishing and and looking forward to as well in your first defence of the Leinster crown because, of course, you beat them in the final last year. Yeah, really looking forward to it. Um, And, like... Yeah, I think we played me last year in the league in Park Dalton and it was a brilliant game. So um, obviously very competitive. So we're really looking forward to going back and yeah, playing me again. Yeah, it's great rivalry, of course, in the men over over the years. But the women, I suppose, since the final of what 2021 have um, brought it to life uh, again. Talk to us about the challenge of, of facing a team like that who, you know, three, four years ago were back in the pack if you like and now they've come out to be the forebears as champions yeah no definitely they I suppose we hadn't played them you know they were inter and then they came up to senior and now we played them so many times I think we know each other uh, pretty well but it's always a good game between us and uh, yeah really looking forward to it the championship returned in Leinster last year after the Covid uh, break for, for a couple of years um, so to have that structure before you go into the All-Ireland series is, is that one that you'd welcome yeah, no, I thought it was really good, yeah. <laughs> OK, well, you ended up with a medal out of it, I suppose, so it wasn't too bad overall. But um, a lot of the graft has been done now over the last number of months, and here we are in championship time once again, which is great. And look at the weather, it's brilliant at, at the moment as well. So there's great buzz and great enthusiasm around the group looking forward to the challenge, not only of me this week, but also Leash, which will be a different challenge here at home next week. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, I think everybody's just excited to get going and 
get started with the games. I suppose it's been a while since uh, the league ended for us, so uh, we're looking forward to playing competitive football. And yeah, the weather's hopefully looking to get better, and you know, it'd be great to be back playing football week on week. Yeah. Yeah, hopefully the weather will get better. Not a great morning in Dublin this morning. Very nice afternoon yesterday when I was talking to Leah there. All right. So the best of luck to her and the Dublin ladies tomorrow afternoon. And, you know, 40 years after her father, John, climbed the steps of the Hogan stand to be part of the Dublin All-Ireland winning team of that year. Can Leah do the same with the ladies in 2023? We all here at Dublin's Talking Sports certainly hope so as well. Thanks indeed to her for her time pre-training there yesterday as well. Okay, you're with Dublin's Talking Sport here in Sunshine 106.8. It's GAA with Declan Drake and Sean Lane in studio. And we're going to turn our attention now to the hurling. And uh, the latest instalment of the Leinster Championship for Dublin was at Corrigan Park in Belfast last week. The Blues made the trip back south with a precious point thanks to a 116 apiece draw. The leveller coming off the stick of uh, Keane O'Sullivan, one of the six points the St. Bridget's man contributed uh, during the course of the afternoon. Dublin goal, by the way, was scored by Nafina star Donald Burke. Well, Sean... It's a game we could have won. It's a game we could have lost. We end up with a point. It's a precious point. In some respects, I suppose, making the journey home, it feels a little bit like a victory, does it? Well, I suppose it's always funny when you get a draw, whether you did or whether you didn't lose or, or win. But I suppose if, if you look at it, you know, before the game started, you'd be saying you're going to Corrigan Park. That's going to be tough. Darren uh, Gleeson will have them absolutely fired up. We knew Conal... Cunning and, and, and Neil McManus two smashing forwards for we knew all that before we, we got there the weather was terrible etc and you'd say well you know we better be up for this because this will be tough uh, unfortunately then we found ourselves five points down with whatever 15 or 16 minutes to go terrible weather you needed a goal do you know what they manufactured a fantastic goal by Donald Burke and uh, the man you mentioned Keelan Sullivan was, was absolutely brilliant on the day so they dug it out. In the bigger scale of things, if you look at the, the tables and that, if we beat Lee, uh, Westmead this afternoon, and we can talk about it later, uh, and they'll still have to beat Wexford Declan to get that third spot and get into the All-Ireland quarterfinal. So there's no damage done, uh, but you would have to question the, 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 the kind of psychological approach for the first 50 minutes. Now, that's, I'm not being negative here. Maybe Antrim just got everything right and just got ahead of Dublin, but that was something we should have been expecting and shouldn't have kind of allowed that to happen. Having said that, uh, they really dug it out when they had to, and it was some very, very good performances. And it has to be said, Donald Burke has been our best player, I'd say, for the last two years. He didn't have the greatest against by his own standards. So, you know, there's a lot of positives to take out of it as well. Yeah, one of the positives was Keane O'Sullivan, who we've mentioned there a couple of times, because Donald can't be on top form every week in every game. So it's important for other players to be able to step into the breach and take the, the responsibility and the, the scoring uh, stakes, which, which Keane did brilliantly last oh, week. Oh, absolutely, Declan. And if you go back to, you, you were always saying about Dublin needing goals, but do you remember Keane got two great goals down in, in Dungarvan in the league? And I, I, I felt that... that uh, uh, Michal who picked him because of, of his goal threat but he did get the five or six points as you say uh, you know I, I have an old view myself that you know your free taker and, and your, your top marksman should get X in scores but the rest of the forwards and the midfielder you should chip in about you know nine, ten, eleven points between the rest of the team outside of your your um, your, your marksman who as we know is Donald Burke but um, you know look at we, we got a result we're still in the competition we've Wexford next week and, and uh, look at our, you know we've this afternoon we've Westmead and then Wexford so an awful lot's going to happen Declan in the next seven days between whether we'll get a quarterfinal spot or whether we'll be out 
Yeah, Westmead suffering a heavy defeat was it to Kilkenny uh, last week, so they come to Parnell Park a little lower on confidence, where our confidence will be on the other extreme, having come away from Belfast the way that we did in the manner that we did ultimately last week. These sort of games you expect to win, Sean, psychologically getting a group ready for a game like today, how do you approach it as a coach? Because there's no doubting the hurling ability of the lads, but maybe on the psychological side, they might need a little bit of help at times. How do you approach a game like that as a coach? Well, well I suppose you're, you're, probably, you're probably going to be helped with the only getting a point in Antrim in the sense that this is a real championship match, a real do or die. And, you know, like every coach should be trying to ensure that you win the game the first 20 minutes rather than having to do what Dublin did the last 20 minutes, the last day. So I, I think they'll realise it. Uh, last year, Declan, we went out on goal average. We, You and me thought we were true having won three games in a row, but Kenny knocked us over for a bad big score and Wexford went up to Nolan Park and we got knocked out on goal average. So I think Dublin should really knuckle down this afternoon uh, really have a cut at this get as many scores on the board as they possibly can because Declan we don't know and you have to include Antrim in this for the third spot now uh, we've always said that we think Kenny and Gow will, will, will be in the Leinster final and they're, they're actually playing the weekend as well but you know I, I just think that we you know we could all end up with five points here we could or end up in four or whatever it's important that we get as many scores as we possibly can Because they played Leash last year in the championship they won it by a point I think on the night and ultimately that proved uh, fatal at the end of, of the championship run so it's important to keep scoring to like keep keep on motoring even though the game might be won at, at a certain stage because of the point uh, that, that you make now you mentioned Wexford who we play at Crow Park next Saturday by the way Oh, by the way, just before that, tickets still on sale for Parnell Park this evening at 6 o'clock. The boys would appreciate all the support that they can get at the Nell. we hopefully see you over there a little bit later on. But speaking of Wexford, it got off to a poor enough start last week. And I mentioned the point about being behind the eight ball after one game, which is where they are. So a must-win game for them against Antrim this evening. Although it's at Chadwick's Wexford Park, which, which should help them, you would think. You would, Declan, and I watched the tape of that game um, and, and Wexford got a great start against Galway. They got two goals in the first five or six minutes and you'd say, gee, there's a, there's a game on here. But I have to say, we, you know, held by, by Evan Nyland. Galway just absolutely blitzed them. Uh, Evan Nyland got 13 points, I think about six from play as well as freeze. And they just absolutely opened up Wexford. Now, Wexford had a good system in, in not giving away goals. They, they preference to give away freeze and, and give space further out the field. But um, they conceded 24 points, I'd say, to probably after Wexford's two goals. I, I think it was 24 points to 2-12 or something like that. But it was a big score that Galway put up in the conditions. And, uh, you know, Wexford looked a little bit in trouble. But I wouldn't wait Wexford off as well, you know. I mean, that'll be a huge game for us the, the, next weekend. Yeah, it certainly will. And uh, speaking of big games this weekend, there's so many of them around the place, of course. Two big ones in, in Munster. But the other big focus in Leinster is tomorrow afternoon and it's the clash of Kilkenny and Galway at Nolan Park. Might have lost a little bit of its spark with Brian Cody having moved on. But still, you know, Henry Shefflin going back there for the first time as Galway manager and managing Kilkenny against his former teammate Derek, Derek Ling. The championship yeah. should really kick off in Leinster in some style tomorrow, shouldn't it? Oh, oh, oh it will. And, and I still believe, irrespective of the outcome tomorrow and that game, Declan, I, I still think that uh, Kilkenny, and, Kilkenny and, and Galway will meet in the Leinster final later on. But it, it is a, a big game. It's a big game for Galway now to see how they are. I think Kilkenny 
will have a little bit too much for them. Kilkenny are on the back of a very poor performance in the league final against Limerick. They have another home game. Um, I just think the you know the the Mikey Butlers and the Hugh Lawlers and Parik Walshes. I just think they'll have too much for the Galway forwards. But you know those Galway forwards, uh, Declan, when Henry gets them for another you know five or six weeks and tries to gel them together and playing together, they'll be a lot different. I think in in the, the knockout series in the Leinster final. But I would I would I would certainly fancy Kilkenny to win that one. Right, and two blockbusters in Munster this weekend as well. Limerick, the All-Ireland champions, are back out. They have home advantage against Clare in their derby this evening. Cork versus Waterford tomorrow afternoon at Porky Kiva. Championship debut for Cork in 2023. For Waterford, though, uh, Sean, in particular, like Wexford, a little bit behind the eight ball, desperately need to get the victory in Cork tomorrow. And you would expect Limerick to overcome the challenge of Clare, would you? Uh, we take the Limerick and Clare game first. It's a huge game for 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 Brian Lowne's crowd. Um, they scored three twenty three last week, Declan against Tip, and still lost the game. Now they gave away some, I thought, very poor uh, goals. Um, but if they lose tomorrow um, or tonight, that game is. Uh, you know they've they've not out of two games. I mean, you could nearly draw a line through them and, and off they go. So, be absolutely expecting Clare to come out absolutely red hot today. Now Limerick on the other side, they got through the last day. Uh, they got their old Hegarty sent off. Um, they only won by two points against the Walford team. And it has to be said, if you look back at the tape, Walford had four or five really, really good uh, point scoring chances after Gerard Hegarty went off and they missed them so you know I think Watford missed an opportunity but equally um, to answer your question I, I think Limerick will still be Clare they have the home advantage but in the other game uh, Watford still have you know Desi Hutchinson Jamie Barron Stephen Bennis Austin Gleeson They've still a good team, Waterford had, and definitely Davy had them up for it the last day. Uh, I think Cork will need to have their socks pulled up for this game today. Um, new manager there, and Pat Ryan. Uh, you know, we saw Cork in the league semi final against Kilkenny. We saw a bit of the old Cork there again. They need to toughen up and be more physical under breaking ball uh, if they're going to make an impact in the, in the Munster Championship. Yeah, it's fascinating. It's a bank holiday weekend as well, so the lads will have plenty of time to recover on uh, Monday. Thanks indeed to Sean for that review of the hurling scene. But uh, we did mention earlier on that our four flagship senior teams were in action in the championship this weekend. And the last team to mention is the Camogie team because they opened their provincial campaign this afternoon against Wexford at the Trinity Sports Ground. That one underway at one o'clock and the girls would appreciate all the support that they can get in that particular game as well this afternoon. And Sean, I know you're a keen uh, follower of the Camogie uh, as well. It hasn't been a good year so far for Dublin Camogie, losing their manager, terrible form in, in the league. Uh, to face Wexford in your first game is a tough uh, assignment. Anyway, at the best of times. Yeah, absolutely. And if you look at the, the five league games, um, Wexford on one side have won four of their five league games. Dublin won none. They did get a draw against Clare in the last game, but they had some awful heavy defeats, uh, Declan too. Uh, Tipperary and, and uh, to Cork in particular I think it was 317 to 5 points but like when you look down to the team you know you had a very good interview um, during the season with, with Ashling Marr you have Ashling Marr you have Ashling O'Neill from Castlenock you have Eve O'Brien now is coming from full back out to centre half back she's a stalwart at, at Nafina and you have the Gannon girls who who uh, from St Jude's I mean there's still a strong team there underage Camogie is going really really well in Dublin and it's just a matter of getting it right. But your point is very valid. We we made huge progress last year, um, and and um, you know the the manager. 
packed it in and went off to train the Dublin minor hurlers. So that didn't send out a great statement to, to think. But the girls have kept at it and, and I wish them the very, very best to look. And, and as you said, to try and get as many people over to support them it would be great. We always seem to take sort of two steps forward, three steps back in the Kavoka, don't we? So that's me just looking at it from the outside in, you know, with the, as you say, the progress that we made last year, and you would think that you could come and build on it this year, and then you lose the manager and you lose the games, and confidence is on the floor, and somebody else has to come in then and pick up the pieces, literally. Yeah, and that that's very true, and we did make progress. Now, look, we we got out of the group last year in the championship. We got to the quarter final of the, the All Ireland against Kilkenny, who were the eventual winners. And you know what? You know, we gave them a great game for twenty twenty five minutes. We got a smashing goal, and all of a sudden, then. We kind of got stage fright, and, and and I thought that okay, fine, that can happen to a bunch of young girls, and it can happen to a bunch of young lads as well. But as you said, you'd, you'd say right, but that's where we got the last year. Let's move on, and then the whole kind of thing, and they brought in a new manager, and he's since gone as well. So look, it's just not right there. But to be fair, you know, the players will stand up, and, and there's some great character in those girls, and I've all full belief in them that they'll give a performance, and, and don't be surprised that they'll turn Wexford over this afternoon. It's time to turn our attention to football now. Delighted to be joined by the one and only Alan Cawley. Morning, Al. How are you? I'm good, Reggie. Yourself? Ah, very well, very well indeed. Looking forward to a good weekend of sport, as always. Interesting stuff going on last night. Uh, Dundalk getting the win uh, 3-2 over Drogheda and uh, Shelburne winning 2-1 over Cork. Yeah, Shelburne have hit a bit of form over the last uh, few weeks, Reggie, to be fair. and Their home form is quite good as well. And that was a, a big win. Obviously, you'd be expecting them to beat the likes of Cork and UCD those teams that are down the bottom but you still have to go and do the job and I think it moves them up into fourth position now so they're going well Shelburne just under the radar, radar. Damien Duff spoke last week about a um, couple of targets maybe and Europe was definitely one of them and they're, they're hot on the heels of the teams above them and, and putting themselves into a really challenging position to, to maybe get one of those European places yeah, we spoke last week as well about bows and the way they were going and things being uh, quite good there, but they've slipped up. UCD won all draw last night. Yeah, and it was a massive slip up, Reggie. Uh, like you looked before the start of play last night, you would have looked at the fixtures, and obviously Bowes would have had a huge opportunity when they're facing UCD and Cork on Monday to really kind of nail down six points over the weekend and, and establish themselves well at the top of the league. But they've just given all the other teams an opportunity now to close the gap. And obviously, Shamrock Rovers won, Derry won, and they are breathing down their necks now. And it was a bad result, especially conceding in the 89th minute as well out in Belfield. They were winning 1 0. They should have seen the game out. I'm sure Declan Devine would be bitterly disappointed with that. Yeah, absolutely. You did mention Derry there, of course. Good win for them, 2 0 against Pats. Pats will be d- disappointed about that. But as you said, that, that shoves de- uh, Derry right back up there in that uh, title race. Yeah, and it was a bad result for Pats, but when you look at uh, Pats' season so far, obviously they got off to a really bad start, then they picked up with the four or five wins, but last week they lost the Shamrock Rovers and now they've lost the Derry, the two teams who you'd expect to be above them. So maybe it just tells you we're saying Pats are at, that they've kind of reached their level. I always thought they'd be in around that third and fourth place. Um, so to go with, obviously, the Derry, tough place to go, but they didn't pick up any points. Good result for Derry now, because Derry's home form is very questionable, but that was a big win. And I think they're only two or three points behind Bowes now and obviously Shamrock Rovers in third. So the league is beginning to take shape now, Reggie, after 11 or 12 games. Uh, and all the ones that we predicted in terms of Shamrock Rovers, uh, Derry, they're all very much uh, in the mix. Obviously, Bowes have been a bit of a surprise so far. Not so much a surprise in the sense that they should be up around the European places, but the surprise that they're top of the league um, and people 
suggesting possibly they could go and win a league. I never felt at the start of the season they could go and win a league, and I certainly don't think it now either. But I definitely think they've put themselves into a brilliant position to get one of those European places, and that would have been their main target at the start of the year. Yeah, well, on Monday, the bank holiday, they have an opportunity to get another three points there at home to Cork City. So you'd imagine that's one that they would uh, definitely target and more than likely get a result in. But the, the juicy game on that Monday, of course, is Derry City at home to Shamrock Rovers, uh, one of the ties of the league. Um, and uh, it, it should be a serious battle. What way do you see it going? Are Derry slight favourites? Yeah, I'm heading up there, there uh, Reggie. We're doing the game as well, so it's live on telly, which is great. And as you say, two top teams, two best teams. Um, Shamrock Rovers, obviously, as we all know, the league champions and the standard bearers, but Derry City have been breathing down their neck. And even though it's been hit and miss for Derry over the last two or three weeks, that was a huge win for them last night. And obviously, to get back to winning ways, heading into that game will give them huge confidence. So, bank holiday Monday, I'm expecting a huge crowd. Shamrock Rovers have won five out of their last six. You look at their result last night beating Sligo Rovers, so that form is certainly looking ominous for the rest of them as well. But Derry City have a good record against Shamrock Rovers in the Brandywell, and I'd expect something similar um, Monday night that should give them a good game. So it's tough to call, Reggie, because of uh, obviously it's still early in the season, but I definitely think these two, as we suggested right at the start, that they'll be battling it out. But if Derry City want to topple Shamrock Rovers uh, this year, they'll have to be beating, in the, beating them in the games that they play them at home. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, across the water. Um, poor, disappointing, and uh, probably the league gone for Arsenal. Um, but City just—they were just class on the night. Yeah, and I've stuck up for Arsenal as you know all year, yeah. Reggie. But I think that could be it now. And yeah. they didn't lose it on Wednesday night against Man City. They've lost it in the previous two or three games. We could allow for the Liverpool one, uh, possibly, but you can you can make no excuses about the West Ham game or the Southampton game. You were two 0 up against West Ham and let that slip, and then to be two down against Southampton and chasing the game, and in a game at home that you should have been picking up the three points. And had they got the three points, you could nearly allow for the defeat the other night because it still would have they still would have been in a very strong position. But because of those results, obviously it makes it so difficult. You go into that game the other night, all the pressure is on you. And to be fair to City. As bad as Arsenal were, I think Man City made them look bad as well. Um, Man City were absolutely awesome. As good mm. as I've seen the Reggie now in a long time, they've hit some purple patch of form in recent weeks. And obviously coming into the business end, looking like winning the league, the Champions League semi-finals coming up, the FA Cup final. It's hard to look past them, not only winning the league now, but winning the treble. Um, and they're just so strong. Yeah, they're, they're class. Okay, well, the top four is looking pretty solid now at this stage. I was talking to Ken about it earlier on. Man United, all things given, disappointing to all during the week. But uh, all things considered, I'd say that they've uh, been delighted with that to- top four finish at the beginning of the season. And it's looking likely, I don't think Spurs will catch them, but it's looking likely that they'll hold on to it. Yeah, I agree totally with you, Reggie. I think, to be fair to Ten Hag, when you think of what he inherited and the stuff that went on throughout the season and obviously the big job that he had on his hands, if you were to say to him that you would have won the League Cup, you'd be in the final of the FA Cup and he'll be in the top four, I think people would have snapped their hands off for that. Um, obviously, moves change throughout the season depending on how things are going, but uh, definitely, I think, looking back when the dust settles, if they do finish in that top four, which looks very likely now because of the gap that they've built up, I think they will be um, delighted with that season and knowing fine well that there's huge work still to do and I'm sure... Ken Hag is under no illusions and even that game the other night summed it up for me like you're winning 2-0 you make a couple of substitutions and the players coming on are just not good enough and I'm sure he knows that that's what he's found out in recent weeks even in the, the VIA game when he's made a couple of changes and players that have come in are just not good enough 
and he knows he needs to strengthen in that regard. So he'll be under no illusions about the job in hand. It's still a massive job. But I think, as you rightly say, at the start of the year, if you were to offer him those things that he's achieved so far and finishing the top four, I think he would have taken that. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, very quickly, I know you're a huge snooker fan. Who have you got for the title? Well, I tipped Alan and I backed Alan, so <laughs> I'm not I'm not going away from him now. I hope he's obviously had a bad session yesterday, but I'm waiting for it to come on here, Reggie, and hopefully he can bounce back today. So I okay. love to see Mark Allen with it. Thanks for listening to Dublin Stock and Sport on Sunshine 106.8 from myself, Ken and Reggie. Have a good weekend. <laughs>